This Quietcast podcast is brought to you by Ideas Digest. In a world dominated by fake news and cancel culture. Oh, sounding a little bit, you know, right-wing conservative, fake news, cancel culture. So let's reframe. Fair. In a world dominated by intolerance, bigotry, and ignorance, Mm, can we... I think that might be going too far left-wing progressive. Just keep going. All right. The Ideas Digest podcast is all about exploring different viewpoints and challenging your own beliefs. In each episode, we flip a coin to determine which side of a controversial societal issue we will debate. We then compete to persuade someone to change their mind. Insert montage here. If it lands on heads, you shouldn't be a fan of Jordan Peterson. Trump is not guilty. Coin flip. Tails. And I'm pro porn, baby. Let me take someone who wants to have kids and tell them why this is a bad idea. Yeah. And then here comes along Andrew Tate. Escape your echo chamber each week at Ideas Digest, everywhere you get your podcasts. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey, heathens. You're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. And this shit is unjust. Hey, guys, welcome back to another episode. Uh, We have been sitting in front of our computers for an hour and a half because my computer just decided to not register my microphone and we know very little about technology. And all it took was restarting my computer. (laughs) Like every tech person would ever tell you to begin with, did you restart your computer? Finally, I finally did after an hour and a half. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. But good lord, I feel like I'm out of breath from this whole thing. <laughs> I know. I'm like, we haven't even started, and we are like, wow. I think I was actually holding my breath a little bit when we were trying to figure things out because I was like, what's happening? I know. I thought I thought I was gonna have to go buy another mic, and I've already spent like literally a million dollars. I'm being hyperbolic, but seriously, I've spent so much money this week on birthdays and Father's Day stuff, and I'm like. I, I'm a millennial that's broke and please stop. I can't do this again. Tell me about submarines. Okay, so Lola, guys, she has no idea about this whole Titan submersible. I don't want to call it a submarine that has gone lost, gotten lost. She's heard a little bit about it, but she's like really confused. Okay. I have no idea what's so, happening. Really quick. We're only going to get spend a few minutes on this so we can jump into today's episode. But so there's a submersible. It's literally a tube. Just it's a it's a fucking tube. And in the back of this tube, there's two computer screens that like let you see what's going on on the outside of the submersible. And the way that they guide this submersible to where it wants to, where they want it to go is with a game controller. It's literally a Logitech game controller that's Bluetooth that you can buy off Amazon for like $40. Okay. So this guy who's a freaking billionaire person has designed and made this submersible. And they say that it's to like, look at the Titanic as it's being, you know, deteriorating. And he has convinced a bunch of very rich billionaires to pay to go on this expedition. Okay, mind you, there's like this tiny little window that's like this big. Is that what they're looking out of? And that's what they're looking out of. And it's right beside (laughs) where you shit. And this whole tube is the size of like a minivan. Like, stop. And you have... How many people are in it? Or Five. Five people are in it. Okay. Why do y'all fart? Do you want to (laughs) know how much they paid to go on this submersible? Can I guess? Yes. Hold on. 
Can you, is it thousands or hundreds mm-hmm. or? Thousands. Thousands. I'm going to say 50,000. No. Okay. No. $250,000. Oh, I thought I was like overestimating. No, no. A quarter of a <laughs> fucking million dollars these people spent to go on this submersible to go down and see the Titanic. They, it's a two and a half hour like dive to the bottom. It's like two and a half miles down, takes them two and a half hours to get there. You know, they have clear documentaries about the Titanic where you can see it from the comfort of your home. <laughs> Fucking seriously. Okay, so they launch Sunday and within an hour and a half or so, they lost contact with the ship above. So there's, you can't have GPS under the ocean. And so they would like use this different kind of system to be speaking to the ship. And then the ship would be giving them coordinates on like where to turn and go to find the Titanic. They lost communication. They only have enough air for like so many days, which today's the last day. Like they're literally on their last hours. You guys won't hear this for months. So this is like old news. But there's literally like five people. So there's the owner the another kind of like person that works for him and then a billionaire, another billionaire and then another billionaire and his son who's like 19 and they've been trapped on this thing and nobody knows where they're at. They all of a sudden heard banging yesterday because like all the Coast Guards and everybody's been searching for them and they don't know if they're stuck on debris down at the Titanic. Oh my God. Don't they know the path that it was supposed to go though? Can't they just like... Well, they like I've read that if... If it like something happened and it kind of was just floating in the water, like halfway down, it's going to be even harder to find because the currents are just going to take it and go off with it. Great. I hate it. Get a metal detector. (laughs) Nobody has equipment to go down and rescue them that's close by. People are on their way, but some of them, by the time they'll reach them, they'll technically be out of oxygen. This is the worst Beatles album I have ever heard in my life. And they, okay, and this is the crazy thing. There's a whole lot more that you can look into it about because it's fucking wild. And I've literally, it's been my hyper focus all day because I'm like, who the fuck pays $250 million, $1,000 to go on this when like you're only watching it through a computer screen. You're not actually seeing it with your own eyes because you're in the deep, dark parts of the ocean. So like, why? And then somebody made a TikTok that was like trying to put him put it into perspective of like, what $250,000 means to these people who are billionaires. And she compared it to like $6 that we would spend on a sandwich. No way. Listen, no, $6, $6 that we spend on a sandwich is comparable to like what we make in a year, right? And so then she calculated up what it would be, like how many sandwiches would it take? That's a minimal purchase for us. To, so how many sandwiches, like $6 sandwiches, would it take to equal $250,000 for this person? Three sandwiches. Weird flex. Okay. My thought My thought is a coffee, okay? I go out, I don't think twice about buying a coffee, okay? I don't even think twice about buying three coffees. That's what their thought process is probably when it comes to spending $250,000. That's... I can't, I can't fucking comprehend that. I would love to be a one percenter, honestly. <laughs> right. I would do so much good in the world. Honestly, I would just... I couldn't spend that amount of money. I would end I up, I would pay off my mortgage. I would buy a chunk of land. I'd pay off my family's debt and my friends' houses and stuff. And then I'd be like, yeah. All right, guys, what do you want to do? <laughs> do you know what I would do? What? I would call at every single fucking school in America and I would pay off the student oh, lunch debt. 
And then I would create some kind of program that every single fucking child that went to school had free lunch. I don't care if their parents make a million dollars. I don't care if their parents make five dollars. I want every kid gets free fucking lunch. Make that a reality. Come on, one percenters. Come on. God, get your shit together. Okay, but on, on another note, though, like we are very sad for those that are on board and their families. I cannot imagine what they're going through. No, I'm actually thinking, are they're in their last hours. That like my mouth dropped open understanding that. Best case scenario is that if they're on this thing and they run out of air, they do just fall asleep. So it's not a torturous death, but it is a torturous like mindfuck that they've probably had to live through. Emotionally, they know what's happening. So uh, we feel for the people that are walking through this, the families and everybody involved. We hold space for them because this is absolutely tragic. And you guys won't listen to this for over a month from us recording it. So I'm sure more has come out since then, but Lord have mercy. Yeah. So that's the submarine tale. Let's talk about the priestly butcher. Oh, okay. This is a case I have no idea about. So I'm super excited. I didn't know. No one will fucking cover this shit. Like I literally, I tried to look up different podcasts and different YouTube things to do with it. And nothing. I've only found like four solid articles on it. And then I went and pulled old newspapers and I tried to look through family trees too to like piece together the story. But like, honestly, it's really old. Why do I keep pulling out the old cases? Albert Fish, yeah, this one, like, I okay. I know. How did, how did you hear about this case? I Googled American serial killer. No, you didn't. That's it. And it had this whole list of like ones I obviously knew. And right. then I saw that one and I was like, that's a pastor. And so I was like, Reverend, I got a, Reverend, who are you? What did you do? Who are you? Okay, so jump into the case, Lola. We are here. Oh, yes. Okay, so his name is Reverend Francis Herman or Hermans? Herman. I don't know. Hermans. Yeah, I I saw that a bunch of different people were calling him both. So I okay. don't know if it's 100% either way. Okay. We'll say Francis Hermans. Yeah, that sounds easier. It rolls off the tongue. It does. A little easier. So, yeah. Nicknamed the Priestly Butcher. So he was born in England. He spent a lot of time in England. He was born in in 1856. So he was there for a while. I don't know much about his life in England, to be honest. Uh, I know that he was well-educated when he was there. Don't know what type of education. I'm telling you, I don't know a lot about this dude. Yeah, if they didn't, if people haven't covered it and then it's kind of hard to like really find that. I mean, there's just no record of anything with this guy. And like, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Anyway, so born in England, 1856. So he married his first wife, Emmeline Smith, in England, but she passed away. Weird, unknown circumstances. Don't know what happened. She's just dead. Don't know. Uh, They were not married for a long time, from what I gather. Huh. He moved to the U.S. in 1891, and he married again, and her name was Bertha Wagner. Bertha. They lived in Minnesota. Minnesota. Bertha. Bertha's Minnesota. in Minnesota. Bertha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Bertha. Oh, shit. 
Bertha, yeah, Bertha died. Okay, this is a case in the 1800s. Everyone's fucking dead, okay? Yeah, okay. When you were like, she, they weren't married long. I was like, oh, suspicious. And then I was like, okay, bitch, she, they were in the 18, like, this is 1850-something. Yeah, people died at 30. People died from a prick in the finger. They didn't have good medical care, so. Honestly, the fact that he, so 1856 to 1891, so he's like in his 30s. 40s, maybe. Okay. Uh, honestly, it's, it's okay. I see you flex on us by just living to 30. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Get it. They lived in Minnesota. Bertha was said to be unstable, which every woman was labeled unstable back then. I don't want to hear that yeah. shit. So and, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. So she was supposed to actually be placed in an asylum. And it was said that hours before her departure to the asylum, she died along with their one child. They just died. They just... They just and died. they died. That's it. What? I don't know how old the kid was. I don't care if it is 1850-something. That's suspicious as hell. The fact that it wasn't really... It, it was not investigated. Neither of these deaths of Bertha or Emmeline was investigated. Were they poisoned? That's a good question. I wonder if they were poisoned. Like, okay, if there was a sickness and some something and they both had it and then they both died. But like, why is the reverend, why, why is he not getting sick? Everyone's just dying around him. So no. Huh? Wait, he's not done. He's not done. Okay. He got married again about a year after Bertha died. Wow. He doesn't wait no time. <laughs> no, he, he was... On to the next, on to the next. So it was about a year later. He moved to Wisconsin and he married Miss Lowen. Lowen. Don't know her first name. Miss Lowen is all I got. Oh, okay. So that's that's the last name. All right. Maybe that is her first name. I, I kept seeing Miss Lowen. So I was like, eh, okay. Well, yeah. Either way. So they lived in Wisconsin for a little bit. And eventually in 1893... They moved to Salt Lake, Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake City. I don't know how to pronounce anything. Right. 1893. They moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, and he becomes a pastor. I don't know what sparked this interest for him. There was no, like, information on if he, like, went to seminary or any of that good stuff. Not really sure. Did, did it say anything about him attending church or anything prior to him deciding to become a pastor? All that I know about his prior life is that his parents were immigrants of either Norwegian or Danish origin when okay. they came to England. Okay. okay. I don't know anything about their religious upbringing. Okay. I'm assuming that they were probably Catholic. <laughs> Yeah. That, I'm assuming. That's what I would have guessed if I had to put money on it. If he grew up in England, I'm just going to probably mark that in my head as possibly or at least like had some influence by the church mm -hmm. growing up in that area. So he becomes a pastor for the first Norwegian Danish Methodist Episcopal Church. Wow. That's a, that's a mouthful. <laughs> that, that's a lot. Like I don't, I don't I don't even know how to categorize that church. I don't I thought Episcopal and Methodist practices were different. They are. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Methodist and Episcopals are more progressive with their 
and this is back in the 1880s, yeah. so I could be completely wrong, but I know nowadays they're more progressive with their beliefs. Um, I would think, I think Episcopal way more than Methodist, but I can kind of make a connection, but still that's a freaking mouthful. It's hard to connect the dots on, on this case, honestly. Like yeah. all about his life, it seems that he just kind of hops around with things and like, but also I don't have all the pertinent information. Right. Wish I could sit down with the dude, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let me pick your brain. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so while he's a pastor here, Herman's wife, Miss Lowen, mm-hmm. would pass away with her baby. She was pregnant. And okay. they both passed away for unknown circumstances. Again. Okay, when did, when, how old was the baby that died last time? I, I do not know how old Bertha's child was. Okay, because that's just, that's suspicious. I feel like this child was already born. The way that it's, yeah. the way that people speak about the child in articles, it seems like it was already born. Bertha's I don't kid? know the name of the person or like the child. I don't know any of the names of the children. I looked up the family trees. And you're talking about Bertha's kid, correct? Yes. Any of his children. I don't know their names. Okay. Couldn't figure it out. This is, everyone stay away from the reverend because shit, he's a little suspicious. Suspicious. I can't talk today. He's pretty suspicious if everyone's fucking dying around him. Yeah, it's very, it's very. Yeah. That's all I have to say. It's very. So yeah, uh, lots of people are dying. He has a body count, obviously, in more ways than one. Yeah. He also attempted to marry another woman named Caroline Crowley, but she disappeared. She just disappeared. She disappeared. He tries to marry her and she's gone. Uh, apparently, like a proposal had been had. Uh-huh. And she disappears. Her sister always suspected that the Reverend had done something to her sister. Yeah. She was not of the belief that her sister just like ran away. Right. All right. So let me take you somewhere new. Let me okay. paint you a picture. Okay. Paint us this picture. It's 1896, and human bones are found in a Salt Lake City church furnace. In the furnace? The headline in the paper is, The Sanctuary of God Defiled with Blood. (laughs) I will say, old school papers have the most, like, sensational headlines. They have the coolest. Honestly, we're just running out of ideas because all of the original, like, true amazing headlines are taken. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They were taken back in the 1800s, if we're being honest. So, charred, dismembered human remains are found in uh, the basement furnace of the Methodist Episcopal Church. Also, if you'd like to visit it, it's 158 South 200 East Liberty Crest Apartments. Oh, it's apartments right now. Yeah, it turned into an apartment complex. So if you guys want to go there. Who lives there? I, if anybody is listening That's to this episode and they're like, they just said my address <laughs> on live. Like you got to email us, uh, the deadly, or not the uh, deadly faith podcast at gmail.com. Send us some pictures. Tell us about how Please. life is living in. Does anyone haunt you? Do you hear? Oh, oh I don't. Do you got any weird dreams? Um, does shit fly off your shelves? Do you ever we smell like things? <laughs> yeah, let us know. We we need to know. Do you ever smell things? Wait, don't don't just message us <laughs> that you smell things. I ignore me. <sighs> oh. Okay, so at the time of this discovery, charred remains discovery, mm-hmm. uh, Reverend was st- it was still a pastor there, but was in Chicago on business 
this used to be a thing with churches where they would have like a living space above the like church hall, whatever. Okay, yeah. A guy named John Hansen lived in the second story apartment that was above the church. Okay. And he was also just a member there. I think he was a janitor. I was just about to say, was he kind of like the groundskeeper? I and think he like handyman type thing. Someone called him a janitor in an article, but I don't. Okay, he could have been so much more than just like cleaning crew. Could have just like kept been a groundskeeper kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. He he lived above the church. He was part of like the the board of trustees all that good stuff. So he was very involved with like the actual building and the congregation and the reverend. Yeah. He heard about this like unusual fire and it was unusual because the furnace was literally never used in the church because it apparently had almost burned down the church years prior to this. Okay, so they just avoided it altogether. Yeah. He, he was like, what is happening? We don't ever use that thing. I don't use that thing. And I feel like he would be the person that would be in charge of like cleaning it out or like... Exactly. You know, I don't know, stoking the fire. Yeah. Who knows? So he like hears or smells something and he's like, uh, he went on Bailey Sarian on us and was like, huh, that's suspicious. That's suspicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. He, you know, did some investigating. Also at this time uh, when the Reverend was like away... Mm-hmm. On business, whatever. In Chicago. Mm-hmm. In Chicago. He had hired some lady named Henrietta Clausen. She was 25. She was a Swedish immigrant. He hired her to kind of, I forgot exactly what they called it, but pretty much it means take care of my office and like, uh, like answer the phone for me if somebody like calls, I guess. It kind of, but like she also like. They called it something different. She also was, like, kind of maid service, too, I think. Okay. He just needed someone to be there in case, like, someone came to the church and, like, I guess needed something or... Yeah. And then also kind of, like, tidy his office, organize stuff, I assume. Okay. So she was just, like, a all-in-one service for him, I think. Yeah, one-man band for all his... Yeah. ...secretarial needs. Henrietta, you know, she... While he was away, she was supposed to be doing all that stuff, you know? Yeah. These two things happened before the fire. So him being away on business and hiring Henrietta. Yeah. These were before the remains were found. Okay. Henrietta, she like did a lot of correspondence to her Mm -hmm. friends. Like she had friends in Nebraska. Yeah. And it was very like she was up on her correspondence for sure. Right. So they heard from her on the regular she was also oh, no. friends with uh, Mr. Hansen, too. So, like, he knew her, and they got yeah. along well. I'm sure they bonded a bit when she was, like, taking care of the office and stuff. Yeah. Henrietta goes missing. Ah, shit. I knew that's where this was going. She goes missing. Dang it. Poor Henrietta. So, yeah, Henrietta, she uh, <laughs> she goes missing. And obviously, Hansen, he's getting a little bit, he's like, what's going on? My friend is gone, and now I've discovered there was a fire of sorts that I was unaware of on the grounds that I keep. And so, you know, he's he's snooping. He's doing his thing. He also said that he smells this horrible stench. Normally, when someone says that, it's meaning the smell of death. Death, yeah. Okay, and you said Hansen. That's the guy that lives upstairs? Yes. Okay. Henrietta Clausen. And then 
that guy, which is, what is his first name? I just totally forgot. I just keep calling him Mr. Hansen or Hansen. John Hansen. He's the one that lived upstairs. Okay. And then the reverend's name. I'm drawing a blank. Francis Herman. There's Herman. so many, There's like... so many that are so close. So I was a little confused. Okay. They all kind of morph into the same name somehow. Herman, Henrietta, and Hansen. <laughs> Jesus, Hansen. there's so many H's. Okay, okay, okay. All right, following. Here we go. So after Henrietta's whole disappearance, mm-hmm. and it started to kind of, like, spark whispers in the church, Reverend kind of made himself scarce, kind of, like, went off to do other other church conferences, whatever, what have you. Mm-hmm. But while he's gone, Hansen's not done looking around. So he actually, while he was in the furnace, he was like sifting through the, the grate. Yeah. Where like stuff gets caught from being burned or whatever. So did the fire happen before Herman was out of town? Or no, Henrietta goes missing and then the reverend makes himself scarce and then the fire happens, correct? Herman's hires Henrietta. That's so many H's in one sentence. I know. He hires Henrietta to watch his office while he's away on business, what have you. Okay. He like kind of forms like, you know, he like gets to know her and stuff. They have a friendship and he's like, hey, will you watch my office while I'm out on business? She's like, sure. So she's doing all this. She's part of the church. She is getting close with Hanson as well and, like, other members of the church, making a new life for herself because she's an immigrant from Sweden. Yeah. So he comes back from his trip, he meaning Herman's, Reverend. Herman's, the pastor, okay. And when he comes back, Henrietta goes missing, and suddenly there's just that random fire that happens. Okay. And Hanson is like, what the fuck? is happening here. So the pastor is, is present at the church or, or at least like in town when the fire yes. happens? Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. He was in town for it. Yeah. He just never apparently reported a fire mm-hmm. or like said, hey guys, I used the furnace or something or yeah. heard the furnace was being used. What's that all about? Like yeah. he didn't give any inclination to anyone that the furnace was going to be used at all. Right. So okay. when people had noticed the furnace has been used. We smell it. And like, I'm assuming there's just like probably ash and and stuff from it. So red flags are going off. And then Hanson realizes, I haven't seen my friend uh, Henrietta in a while. And then he reaches out to her friends and they're like, we don't hear from her. She doesn't write us back, which is super odd because she's always up to date on correspondence. Right. So... Hanson's like, I gotta know what's happening in my house. And he smell he's already smelt the furnace, and so he starts yes. poking around. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. He's smelling bad things, of course. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mr. Hansen did make some discoveries. He discovered there were two straight razors, a knife blade, a garter buckle, corset steel, a belt buckle, several human bones, all in the church's like furnace grate type thing. The ash trap, basically. So all the things that have been caught from being burned. Yeah. All the things that wouldn't burn, really. Yeah. So he found all that. Um, Hansen talks to his wife, and, you know, they're they're very suspicious because they don't know where Henrietta is, and they found all these weird things, and they tried to kind of, like, 
talked to the reverend about it, but he just wouldn't have anything to do with it. And the last time that they saw, you know, Henrietta, she was around reverend a lot. Yeah. A little bit of background on Henrietta. She was terribly, madly, truly, deeply, sadly in love with reverend. Oh. You know, you know, like she, he he probably, he's a stand-up guy in the community. He's a pastor, so people look up to him. He's a pastor. He wasn't bad looking from the drawings I'd seen of him. Yeah. He wasn't like ugly. So right. I'm assuming, you know, she was attracted to him physically. Yeah. So she would actually like sleep in his office. I think that she wanted to like study scripture with him and then would like fall asleep in his office and stuff and like shut up she went out of her way pretty much to serve this man she had a bad especially and i'm sure she just jumped at like the jumped at the gun whenever he was like will you watch my office while i'm away Mm -hmm. will you like do this for me and this and this and this and so yeah oh my gosh poor thing the reverend said that he had never like slept with her or anything (laughs) bullshit Obviously, rumors were circulating, I'm sure. There's oh, yeah. No entertainment <laughs> at yeah. the time, really. Yeah. So you got a lot to talk about. Gossip so. is gossip, and it wasn't any different in the 1850s. It doesn't change. Early 1900s. Yeah, it doesn't change. Yeah. Reverend denied, you know, any sexual relationship with Henrietta, but said that Henrietta had definitely propositioned him. So he's mm. about to slut shame her super hard. Oh, uh, I was about to say, he's... Mm, he's about mm. to... He said, oh, she tried to get me in bed, but I just sternly, you know, refused. No, never. <laughs> I am too upright. I'm a man of, of God. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. Uh, heard that before. He actually told them the reason that she's not here anymore, the reason that she's like disappeared is because she went to go be a dancing girl, like a prostitute and like lives in a brothel now. No. And like, they just took him at his word too. They didn't question it. So he's already like not wanting to get in with the, like do anything about like, hey, (laughs) it's kind of weird, but we found some bones yeah, like in the furnace, like uh, maybe, maybe we should do something about it. He doesn't want to touch that. And then he's like slut shaming and being like, she went to go be a prostitute or dancer. Yeah, he's definitely got a story though. He doesn't have a story about the furnace, oh but he's gosh. definitely got a story about Henrietta and how she's like trying to get in his pants and trying to get in everybody's pants. Oh my which, gosh. Henrietta, rest in power, rest in peace. Like, if that's what you want to do, do it. But I know you were not at a brothel. I know what happened to you, girl. Right. I know. And people took him at his word on this because obviously women are crazy. That's Mm -hmm. why Bertha was Mm going to go to an asylum. They're fucking crazy. Yes. Don't fuck with us. (laughs) So it makes sense. They just believed him. And I'm also thinking too, I don't know how long Henrietta was at that church. I know she was kind of just starting to form relationships with Hanson and his wife. So it would make sense that he's been a pastor for probably a couple of years now and has like an established reputation. So for a new immigrant, you know, young 25-year-old girl to come in here and be like, Ooh, trying mm-hmm. to tell her story or like people not really knowing her, 
they would just take him at his word kind of thing. Right. And she wasn't there to defend herself, so. Exactly. And to go off of you saying that she had it really bad for him, it's understandable, especially back in the early, you know, 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s. Like women, you couldn't have a life basically without having a man. You had little option to survive on. And so survival was based off of you having a spouse. That was your whole goal was to find a husband to like take care of you. And if she's 25 and unwed, that's old for those days. It really is, yeah. I'm sure she was like just really trying to nail her down a man and who better then? And you know what? Who wouldn't want, you know, someone that portrays himself as a man of God? That seems like a really good person to have as a father of your kids and, you know, a person to protect and love you as, you know, Christ loved the church. Mm -hmm. I don't blame her at all for it. I don't, yeah, it makes sense. So, you know, those human remains that Reverend doesn't want to talk about, here's the thing. Those pesky little things. Yeah, pesky little things. Well, police kind of have to get involved (laughs) once they're found. You say. (laughs) So, uh, in May of... 1896, the Salt Lake City police became involved and they found a decomposed torso that belonged to Henrietta Clausen. Ah, uh, she wasn't do- she wasn't dancing. She wasn't dancing. No, she was dead. Yeah, unfortunately. So, obviously Hansen didn't find her because she was buried beneath the dirt floor like the the basement dirt floor. In the church. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she, it had been buried. So this had not been burned. No. Oh. No. Okay. Don't worry. We'll get to it. Why? We'll get to it. Oh, shit. They, okay, they found obviously the rest of her decomposing torso. Mm -hmm. Also, they found bloody overalls that did belong to the reverend. Oh. They found two false teeth that were Miss Clausen's. And, a blood-stained, like, wood barrel? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Well, okay. I have a theory, but keep going. I, I might be able to fix that theory or... Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Corroborate it, whatever. <laughs> the door to the furnace was about 10 by 6 inches. Oh. He's not called the priestly butcher for no reason. Okay. So those bones, you know, they found, uh-huh. there's a reason that, like, he probably didn't have the tools to cut up a torso. That makes sense. Okay. Because like the sternum, I mean, the sternum and spine, they are very durable bones. Yeah. You know, ribs too. I mean, they're made for protection. So. And if you don't have a medical background to know where to cut and everything, it's like, yeah, uh, from what I've heard, never done it myself. But You're shit out of luck. Yeah. The With the furnace entry being 10 by 6 inches, it's thought that the barrel was used as a butcher block to dismember the body mm. to fit it in. Uh, I was thinking he like stored her body parts in there to transport them to the the furnace. I mean, you could be right about that too. But if the blood was on the outside, then that makes sense. It was... And see, it says that it was just a, a blood-stained wood barrel. So it yeah. could have been inside and outside. It could have been both. Yeah. But police are are searching more in the church and they find some stuff in the reverend's study, which were clothes and like other items that apparently had belonged to Miss Clausen. But they also found something else. They found more items that belonged to a Swedish immigrant 
Miss Annie Samuelson. Another woman. Another woman. Can you believe that? I tell you, the body count just keeps going. The, uh, this is this is somebody we haven't heard of, correct? I haven't heard of Annie. No. You haven't mentioned Annie. This is new. This is a whole other woman. Annie is new. Jesus Christ. Reverend? Yeah. The fuck? Read your fucking Bible. <sighs> yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Annie Samuelson, she worked as a nursery governess, which just means like a like a preschool teacher or like a... Okay. A Bible teacher, Sunday something like school, that. So something like that. Dealing with kids okay. and some type of like teaching or like care, like daycare kind of thing too. That's what I gather from my Google search of nursery governess. Uh, at first, it sounded like a, a plant nursery. <laughs> right. Can we talk about how like prestigious that fucking title? The that- job titles back then were unmatched. Right. Can we unmatched. have better job titles nowadays because like no I'm not a mom I don't want to be called executive director I want to be called the uh I don't know anything to call it because everything's so boring hold on yeah well I love the whole governess governess that, that's beautiful yes. so I'm not a mom anymore I am a family governess that is my job title all right yes call it what you want I love it right <laughs> so um she worked for Herman's as a housekeeper okay so Reverend promised to marry Annie. She was also young. I don't know how old she was, but she was young. I'm assuming that it's just like Henrietta, where it's like, I'm looking for a husband. I'm looking for someone that's going to be good to me and my kids. That's going to be a man of God. And they thought they found that Mm -hmm. in him. So her gold ring and watch were found at a pawnbroker's shop. And apparently like the pawnbroker person was like, yeah, Reverend, pawn these. Okay. Direct evidence right there. Okay. I'm already getting mad because your your word was, this is unjust. And so I'm, I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, there's a lot of fucking evidence. So like, oh. It's so much. Honestly, I don't understand how, how this wasn't caught sooner. I don't, I don't know where this is going. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm already mad. So obviously, any stuff is found in there, like in that study. So I'm backtracking to that. So also, there were bottles of poison, chloroform, other drugs, some of which produced abortions. No. So those were those were all found in the study. Oh my gosh! My first instinct when his first wife died was, was she poisoned? Ah, ah. Yeah, I knew we'd circle back to that. Ah, motherfucker. Hi, how do you? So. Annie, Annie Samuelson's aunt, had apparently admitted to law enforcement that her niece had improper relations. They did it. With the reverend. They did the honky-tonk. And that he had produced an abortion shortly before she had disappeared. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So did you perform an abortion? Or did you just murder her? Did it go wrong? And be like, <sighs> yeah, killed two birds with one stone. Yeah, lots of lots of questions there. Oh gosh. Oh, did I mention that uh, Annie had just become like his new favorite? His favorite at first was Henrietta, and then it's like, oh, I have a new favorite little toy, and her name's Annie. Oh my gosh, he's a piece of shit. It's that telltale story of like the good old pastor having like sexual relations with all the nuns or something. It's like, it's one of those. Yeah. It reminds me of the, on TikTok like a year ago, her name was Bobby. 
the pastor at her church got up and like said, like admitted to, you know, basically having an affair. Oh, I remember that video. And everybody was like, and he was, you know, he was like, repenting for it. And they were like, oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, pastor. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then Bobby goes up and gets on the mic and she was like, I was 16 and you took my virginity on the floor of your office. And like, I was like, good job. And then it pissed me off so bad because you go back and watch that video. When she walks away, you hear a woman of all people, a fucking woman yell from the crowd, we love you, pastor. After hearing that he yes. groomed yeah. a 16-year-old and took her virginity at his... He raped her. Yeah, on his floor of his office as a fucking pastor of your church. And you're going to say that shit? Disgusting. Fuck you. That's an abuse of power, firstly. Beyond. And that's taking advantage of a child. That's disgusting. This whole hen, like... This, yeah, Reverend Francis is giving off these vibes for sure. Yes. Oh, I don't know if I said this before, but Annie, like with her stuff being in the study, they were able to identify it because some of her stuff had her initials on it. So I think she was a very organized person because she did have her initials like stitched into things and stuff. Right. And if you're an immigrant traveling and coming over, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Listen, this guy too, he, it wasn't enough. He had stuff in his study that was Annie's, but also too, he had like visited another reverend friend and his wife and he gifted them, or he gifted the wife some clothes. No. That had the initials AKS. No. Standing for Annie K. Samuelson. He gave away her fucking clothes? Ah, oh, you bitch. A dead woman's clothes. Are you kidding me? So the police suspected that Miss Samuelson, Annie, had been poisoned by the Reverend and her body dismembered and either was burned or just buried somewhere that they just had no idea where to look for it. So yeah, Annie was never discovered. Her her body was not discovered, unfortunately. So, oh my gosh. To this day, it is still kind of like, technically it's unsolved because police just have suspects. Like they don't, they don't have any Solid, like yeah. hard evidence of that just because her stuff was in his office because she did work for him. So it's like- I think though today- that's enough because there's been cases of like trying a murder case without a body. It would be enough today. But all that evidence, in my opinion, fry his ass. Oh, I'm I'm not done yet, though. I'm not done. Ah, oh, shit. Okay, keep going. It was also discovered that uh, the Reverend had embezzled about $7,000 worth of the church funds. So in today's money, that would be around like $218,000. Jesus. And... He had been married three times in each instance. Every wife had died, and then two of his three children died unusually. I don't know about the third one. I never found anything about the third one because I thought, did that one live? Or like, did that one... I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. And then the sister of his second wife went missing. And apparently he did cash out on their life insurance policies as well. Oh, of course he fucking did. And at the time, it was only for like $500, but in today's money, that would be about 15, 16 grand, give or take. Cover a funeral cost, basically, in today's world. Yeah, about. Reverend fled after everything started coming out where they were finding Annie and Henrietta's stuff. Oh. He fled uh, Salt Lake City. Gee, I wonder why. And he was never apprehended. He was never arrested and never charged. And then that Scandinavian church was demolished in 1906 and is an apartment building that was constructed in about 2016. And 
now occupies the area. Is, is this it? This is it. This is how it ends. This this is the worst cliffhanger I've ever met in my life. The, this is horrible. It's honestly the worst. So like, we don't know where he went. His crime spanned from like 1890 to 1896. He fled soon after he was starting to get linked to the disappearances. So I think police were starting to question him. Yeah. I think he was taken in for interrogations, but... He's a man of God. He's well-known. The police probably went to church there, too, you know? Right. So (laughs) Probably. From, like, 1896 to 1897, there were, like, possible sightings of him, but nothing was confirmed. A bunch of random men were mostly being accused of, like, are you him kind of thing. But Oh, my god! And these were mostly sightings, like, in Canada, I believe. Yeah. (laughs) For the most part, so. Well, if you're going to run... You're going to run. Yeah. You know, so that makes sense. That's the easiest place for him to go, basically, if you're going to go to another country outside of America eh, from Utah. You're going to go to Canada. So, well, he definitely stayed out of the spotlight. I don't believe he ever got married again. I couldn't find anything else on him. They don't know if he's dead, alive, stole identity, anything like that. They don't know anything that happened. Obviously, he's probably dead. Well, he's dead now. Obviously. If he's still alive, uh, listen maybe he deserves to be alive if he's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How the fuck are you doing that? Yeah. He reminds me, okay, the whole like giving away all of his, uh, giving away the dead people's belongings. It reminds me of H.H. Holmes. Yes. Do you know? Yes. Okay, that like, that reminds me of him. It also gave me those vibes too. It's like, I feel like a lot of different pieces of all these like main well-known serial killers were kind of like, sparse throughout. It's like he really, he got his hand in every pot kind of thing when it came to murder and then was like, bye. (laughs) Yeah. H.H. Holmes also had a story for every time a woman went missing or like wasn't around anymore. He's like, oh, they went to live with their sister in Japan or whatever. And he always had a story. And this is what the fucking Reverend did too. I'm wondering, tell me how, what year he went into, uh, he started to be the pastor at this church. Because I have a theory that he was killing all of his wives. Mm -hmm. He was murdering them. He was poisoning them. Like, I had that thought. And then you said they found poison. So, like, motherfucker, you're a pastor. Why do you have poison in your office? You shouldn't have that. So, my theory is that he was killing his wives. And then he saw the church as an easy hunting ground for women. That's gross. Yeah, that's gross. And so he became a pastor. That is my opinion. That is allegedly, that is a theory. It is not cooperated with anything, but... I feel like he doesn't have any descendants. I know that he at least had three kids. I know that two obviously died very young, but I feel like the third one, I just highly doubt that the third one... I feel like I would see a name somewhere. Uh, Yeah. But I never saw a name. I didn't see names for the other ones either. And they, like, one of them, I believe, was alive outside the womb kind of thing. So he was sleeping, he was sleeping with a lot of women. He was too. So they could unknowingly, like, his blood could still be pumping around here. Right. And that could be one of, like, his child that they're talking about. It could be from a, one of those out of wedlock type. Yeah. Real quick though, what year, what year did he start at that church? 91. He started killing people in what? 90. Well, that was before. Who did he kill before he started at this church? Well, he it was just the three wives. Or I'm sorry, the two wives. Oh, okay. Two wives and the babies. Yeah, okay. And that we are assuming he murdered, okay? Yes, that just right? died mysteriously. Yeah, you won't convince me 
that he didn't become a pastor to murder, to, to have an easier hunting ground. What a weird uh, reason to go into ministry, but I tell you. Mm. But we see it all the time that people will go into religion because it's an easy avenue to manipulate and take advantage of people. Like to fit whatever their agenda is. Yeah. Okay, I have just I have to read this thing that I found yeah, yeah, yeah. off of some like casebook forum. The username for it is Astatine211. A-S-T-A-T-I-N-E-211. This person is like a website detective. I don't know. I got to give them credit. They said, following my post yesterday, I've spent the last day furthering my research into Reverend Francis Hermans when I made a surprising discovery. Most of the newspapers and his wiki page list him with an incorrect name. His actual name is Francis Hermans, not Francis Herman. That's why I'm more inclined to call him Francis Hermans. Okay. I know this from researching Utah archives, and I've currently got a request for his case file pending. If I receive it and there's anything of interest, I will update you all. This led to an exciting discovery. Hard evidence that a serial killer who dismembers his victims was operating in London at the time of the torso killings. So it is possible that he's also part of the torso killings. No. Francis Hermans, who murdered between two to eight people in America between 1891 to 1896, was living in Rotherize, London. I probably said that wrong. Between the years of the torso killings and JTR. His job was a London City missionary and was a naturalized British citizen. Even if he doesn't have any relation to our cases, it looks like I'm going to have to update his wiki page. Also shows his wife in England, who he most likely murdered. We now know they got married in 1882 until her disappearance. Whatever. So he goes on in a longer post. But yeah, so I just had to give that person credit because they did a lot of extra digging. So basically saying that he could possibly be the torso killer. I think they're, they're like this forum was about the torso killings. I think they're trying to kind of like piece together a timeline and stuff and like who all was involved in it. Yeah. And they're thinking he might have been the torso killer. Yeah. I'm going to look into that and piece together more of a timeline to see if that makes sense. And I'll update at next episode because... I I'm interested in that. It's okay. Yes, it's unsolved, right? Yeah. But is it really? Is it really? Is I'm it sorry. Really? He had bloody overalls. He had all of the evidence in his office. He fucking did it. And he had poison and all of his wives died. Okay. You don't have that amazing of an immune system to where your people, your wife and children are dying and you're not. Like, I'm sorry. You're not Jesus. I need to know about his childhood. That was the one thing that like bugged me. I have no idea what his parent, who his parents were, what they were like. I don't know anything about. I'm interested in the children. I'm sorry. I know that two of them mm-hmm. are dead or died. They're all dead, but like two of them had died very early on. I got to know about the third, and I just want to know their names. Like they mattered to me. It is so hard when you find a case and you don't know a lot about how the person grew up. And sometimes it's just not out there. And But it's a question that a lot of people have because you want to know, like, there's that age-old question. Is it nature or is it nurture? You naturally want to make sense of it. Yeah, you want to connect to neck dots. You don't want it to be so great. You want the black and white. And if you can see that, okay, they had a really bad childhood or they were abused or they had a, a traumatic brain injury or something, you can be like, 
okay, that's a possibility. That's a theory. Can we blame everything on that? It's not that it excuses it. It just like makes sense in our mind where it's like, well, yeah, bad childhood equals bad adulthood. Makes sense. Yeah. And when we have trauma like that, like really traumatic childhoods, a lot of people can be like, well, I had a traumatic childhood. Like I had a horrific childhood, mm-hmm. but I didn't turn off like that. And and you didn't. You made a choice and you you went the other direction. And everybody has a choice. It's analyzing the choice that they made like at the crucial time where it was like, I'm going to either choose to be a good person or a bad person. And it's analyzing that thought process and like what that reality looked like that really is the difference between a serial killer and a well-rounded, good, decent human. And you can see that in a lot of families who have like uh, generational trauma. I was about to call it a generational curse. That was my um, ex-religious Christianese talk trying to come out. But like religious trauma or like family addictions that are passed down through generations. My, like, for example, my grandfather was a raging alcoholic and he was very abusive to my mom. And she lived through that her entire childhood. But yet when she became a parent, she, I think I can count on one hand how many times I've seen that woman drink alcohol. (laughs) And she... She is very, very strategic because she knows it runs in her family. And she has made the choice to not only be very cautious on the type of like drinking alcohol, but also doing better for her children. She made the decision to go the opposite direction. When we see other people who've made decisions and they become alcoholics themselves, which alcohol, alcoholism and addictions are a mental illness. Like they are a, a sickness. It is tragic and hard to come out of. But yeah, it's just that what what decision do you make in that moment? Yeah. And why? So really, I just want to know, was he beat oh. to hell or something? Or like, what happened to you? Right. Oh. What happened to you? Because like some of the stuff that was found, it seemed like torturous type things. Yeah, he literally cut these bodies, or at least that one. Uh, what was her name? Henrietta. Henrietta. I was like, it's an H. He freaking chopped her up. Hanson and wife, you were right. You cracked the case before the police did, honestly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so that's the case. It's very unjust because none of these victims or their families got any justice or even any investigation, period. Annie's body was never found. So, you know, there was just a lot left unsaid and undone, and that was not right. And he was protected by a lot of different things, including religion. Mm-hmm. And that title really did, uh, he was able to use it to abuse it. <laughs> yep. He he was literally just using it so that he could manipulate and get the things that he wanted. And maybe that was just murder. Maybe it was a sexual encounter gone wrong or abortions go wrong, gone wrong. I don't know. Yeah. But no matter what, people died and he didn't, he wasn't, truthful about it, in my opinion. Yeah, that one is frustrating that there's no like hardcore justice. Like, yes, we know that he did it, but there was still like, he wasn't brought to justice. He got to live out his life in quote unquote freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he was on the run, but he still got to live his life out. And I hope he fell on a cactus and got a staph infection. I'm sure it wasn't that hard to steal somebody's identity and just make a new life super easily and not be caught. Because I mean, is the 1800s. You could do whatever you wanted, really. I hope he tripped and fell on a cactus, got a staph infection, <laughs> and 
he died slowly and painfully because he couldn't get medical care. And his dick fell off. And his dick fell off. And his dick fell off. <laughs> Don't forget uh, the insult to exactly. injury. Come on. Yes. Okay, Luna, not Luna. Hi, guys, my dog's name is Luna and I call Lola Luna all the time. You can call me whatever you want. Just, oh my gosh. Don't call so me funny. late at night. That's it. What, what's, <laughs> what's our palate cleanser for this episode? Here's the palate cleanser. Um, it's Why do I have to do it? You do it. Because I can't think. Damn it. I can't think. Oh, I will give you guys a random palate cleanser. We are remodeling our house. We bought our house in November and we're working on remodeling it. It's a slow process because like I said in the beginning, I'm poor and broke. <laughs> so, but we decided that if it works out, my husband's going to look in the attic. He is going to cut out the roof in the back of our house and extend the roof up and create, like refinish our entire attic and create a, like an upstairs. And we'll have another bedroom and another bathroom and everything. And I think we're going to do like a master. But will you have a skylight? <gasps> Probably now that you said that. I'm going to add that in. Please have a skylight or I'm never coming to your house ever. <laughs> We're going to do a master bedroom. I think what we're going to do is a master bedroom up there and like a master suite. Uh, um, and we're going to take it. Yes. yes. <laughs> because I want it. So now I'd be like, ooh, let's put a skylight. You put in the hard work. You're allowed to say you want it. <laughs> yeah. So there's our there's our palate cleanser. That's so cool. There's our episode. Yeah. There's our episode for this week, guys. I hope you um, liked it, enjoyed it. I always feel weird, feel weird saying that. Maybe I should figure out something else. I hope you took something from it. I hope that you you took something from it, whether good or bad. Yes, that is what we need to say. I hope that you hydrate because it's it's hot out here, man. Yes, drink some water and take a nap and don't be a dick. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review because your salvation depends on it. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, leave us a review because we would absolutely love it. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howe. Thanks for listening. 